welcome to another episode of Unearthing Paranormalcy, the podcast where we dig into the paranormal and try to find a little normalcy in the topic. I'm Amy. I'm Dave. I'm Chad. And I'm Eli. And this week, after having such a deep, deep, deep dig into Madame Blavatsky, we're going to cover a topic a little bit more out there. That's right. We're going to the Men in Black. Galaxy Defenders. Uh-oh, uh-oh. All the way out there. Yes. Out into outer spaces. Outer spaces? Why not? It's like trading spaces, <laughs> but it's outside. I don't know. This episode of Outer Spaces, <laughs> Clark from the Men in Black switches places with <laughs> of the Greys. Look at they all the wacky adventures they have <laughs> together. <laughs> they will spend one week in each other's worlds <laughs> and see if they can fix their own life problems. I think we need to pitch this aside. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah. I think we just found our niche. Ty Pennington, stu- the host. <laughs> no, we got to come up with a different name than yeah. Ty Pennington. Trademarked. Yeah. Well, Ty Penny's a person. I think he's in jail or something. That might be true. I think he got arrested for DUI. I don't know. He's probably out by now for the DUI. Easy but. money. Um, well, Alistair Crawley. Yes. <laughs> and Madame <Yes>, Blavatsky. <laughs> They're the judges. <laughs> we totally do her up like Paula. <laughs> Dress Alistair him Crawley like looks like Simon. Uh, Simon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Listen, I think your life is complete dog shit. Thank you. I like it. And that'll do it for the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Golden buzzer for everyone. Now that show's going to show up out in some channel. We're like, God dang it. You know what? This will have a date and time stamp, though, so we can say we came up with it first. True. So, there seem to be stories back even to like the Middle Ages with the Men in Black. Most of those, the Men in Black were considered to be demons or part of rich witchcraft, things like that. Satan soldiers and stuff like that. Now, if y'all remember back to our Lycanthrope episode, do you remember the horseman in black that would give the people the salve to put give on the themselves? Rogaine. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I said it right this time. Yeah, the whole it's episode. That whole episode he called it just, just for, men. for men. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like an idiot when we finished it and like at the end of it, he was like, Rogaine. I'm like, God dang it. <laughs> well, that's trademark. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he's the one that went and handed out all the... the, the Salve to turn them into the hairy werewolves that they were rubbing on their bodies out in the woods by themselves. And they run naked. Yeah. And, yeah. Which, yeah. which those incidents were, you know, 50, 100, 150 years apart. So, well, and we talked been about the same it man. At that, in that episode at that time, but sounds a lot like the description of Men in Black. And the reason why. I think that was our first episode that we brought up Men in Black and Tulpas. Yeah. All in that same episode. And Tulpa is another explanation for Men in Black, but we'll get into the explanations for Men in Black later too. But we talked about that being a man in black, and, or the Men in Black. And one thing with the Men in Black, the being in black, black is a very accepted color throughout many generations. So it's easy, I guess, for them to fit in. Well, wearing I'm not sure black. Even it was accepted as much as. I think people wearing all black were actually more feared. True. Because all the stories of the Black Knight. Black the, is often associated <clears throat> with evil. Yeah. The Black Dahlia. I mean, in all the Westerns, the, the bad guy always wears the black hat. Yeah. And anything that had to do with bright colors was usually celebrated. So anything that was opposite of that was obviously dark. Yeah. Or 
evil. Yeah, because black is just the uh, the the absence of color, right? Yeah, and yeah. in the dual world view of Christian mythology, darkness is evil, and light is good. Yes. Yeah, Lucifer is a light bringer. Mm-hmm. Morning star. Yeah, my research took me to like all of our previous episodes. Yeah. <laughs> Mothman was definitely the biggest influence, yes. which is really cool because we just did our Mothman episode. Yeah, that's, um, so it's fresh in our head. And well, John Keel, who is one of the top writers on UFOs and the Men in Black, talks a lot about Men in Black in that Mothman Prophecies book. Yeah. And part of my research, I actually went back and listened to the last podcast, Men in Black episodes. Yeah, I did too. And, I did too. Um, Hilarious episodes. What's interesting is now now I'm listening to them again after I have the knowledge from what we've researched, and I'm like, oh wait, that makes more sense now because now I know other things that I didn't yeah. know at the time, like the whole uh, West Virginia stuff, all the West Virginia stuff. West Virginia mountain. It's, pre- it's pretty cool how knowledge forms and evolves over time, isn't yeah. it? And, uh, it's yeah, it's crazy how much stuff connects. Yes. Mm-hmm. Even the most random topics connect somewhere. Well, and Men in Black aren't just UFOs, which I found really interesting in the, what I was reading, is Men in Black come with a lot of other paranormal experiences as well. Yeah. You've got, they show up with poltergeist activity. They show, show up with cryptids. Cryptids, yeah. All kinds of stuff. And it was like, hmm, now I'm even more curious as to what these Men in Black are. And we had the talk before... We decided, me and Amy would totally like fangirl out if Men in Black showed up. Oh, yeah. So. Although, after some of my research, we may not be have the opportunity. They may steal that opportunity from us, Chad, with their mind control and their their oogly-boogly stuff and make us fear them. And their neuralizer. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I'd be awesome if Will Smith showed up. Yeah. Oh, wait. Wrong Men in Black. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. The real Men in Black are nothing like the the movie portrays. Unfortunately, oh, the only similarity oh, no. is that they were black. The Tommy Lee Jones might be pretty close. Yeah, might be. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, no. One thing I found that was really interesting is the fact that they, m- most of the interactions that they had, like the first ten accounts and the stories that I read, were uh, they would bring up uh, life experiences of the person who experienced, like who they were trying to convince to basically not spread those rumors or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And their experiences that only that person would know. Yeah. Yeah. And I just thought that was Well, there was awesome. Um okay, in two thousand and eight there was a men in black sighting where um there was a UFO sighting at a hotel in Canada near Niagara Falls. And two hotel workers witnessed it, you know, it was it was talked about, it was on the news, made the newspaper, all that stuff. Well, then a few days later, two men in black came into the hotel and they're caught on surveillance footage. Do it. And you can go on YouTube and see the surveillance footage. Um, but the people that were working there were talking about how they looked identical and they talked funny, looked funny, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then one of, one of, they kept asking for the manager and all this stuff. And then they wanted to talk to the workers. And then one of the workers, one of the ladies said, I felt like they were trying to read my mind. She said, every time I, I would feel like that, I would try to start thinking about other things yeah. besides <clears throat> my manager and stuff like that. And then I told when it was Mothman episode, we were talking about reading minds. Maybe, I yeah, don't know. Well, Mothman like puts thoughts into yeah. your head. And, stuff. and I was talking about the, the customer that we have that I swear is reading my mind. 
So now I really want her to come back in so that I can test these things out. Maybe she's a woman in black. Maybe. And there she never are such wears things. black. Yes, no. there are. Oh, yeah, men in black do not, they're not, um, they're not sexist. They're not yeah. racist. They come in many different forms. All it's, it's all skins. Here come the fish in black. Yeah. Well, except, well, they're usually pale white or they're olive complexion. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they thought they were reading their minds. And tried to block it out. Uh, you can actually go on YouTube and watch a lot of videos and yeah, it's like the only like pictures vi- true of like video evidence that was left. Yeah. Supposedly, a lot of the times, if they have pictures taken or videos taken or anything like that, it's all confiscated or just mysteriously disappears. There's now, a, there's now, how do we know these aren't just two people from like the health department? Very well, could be. Because isn't that the same kind of stuff that? Like inspectors wear, is like a suit. No, well, not not no. not so particularly. Not that kind no. of suit. These guys usually wear long trench co- long trench coats that are black, black like suits, a fedora and a black pad. fedora, and they usually are completely bald, including no, no eyebrows yeah. at all, no, no hair. hair at all. Um, Sounds like the Secret Service. <laughs> their skin almost seems like plastic or rubber. Yes. It doesn't seem like real skin. There are a few stories of them drinking water or something, and it looks like their lips smear off, like their lips are just painted on, things like that. But this book that I read, Men in Black, Evidence and True Stories about Earth's Most Mysterious Cover Agents, Aliens and UFO Encounters by Conrad Bauer. He actually makes a joke in the end of the book about how, you know, Men in Black can do all this stuff, white memories, all that. For some reason, they aren't able to take videos off of YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> the only video that's circulating is the one from the, the I, hotel. I, I watched one that... Uh, I'm not convinced. I, I, it was totally a setup. I'm not convinced by any of them. But. Well, true. I, the, well, you know, the men in black that are walking into the hotel, at least it seems plausible. It still very well could have even been two people playing a joke on them. But in this one video, it's supposed to be some girl who went missing, and this it shows with this UFO guy coming in. She pulls a gun on him. He waves his hand away, and she puts the gun to the side, and then she grabs something out of her purse and walks off with him. Then supposedly she was an actual missing person, and then they interviewed her afterwards. Totally felt like a setup. And I was yeah. like, all right, you guys, now you're just messing with ufologists and people who are easily gullible to a lot of this stuff. Yeah. And instantly believe it. I, I'm a, like I said, I'm a skeptic believer. I want to believe in it, but I'm skeptical to the point that I want to, I need a little, little bit more evidence than even a video anymore because videos are so easy to manipulate. Yeah. But I guess the true, the first true, I mean, like I said, we have all these stories about them in like, in like the 1400s with witch trials and all of that, them being around. And being demons and evil and all this stuff. But then the first true account of what we would call probably the modern day Men in Black was in 47-ish. Is that about right, Dave? Yeah, around 1947, 48. The first story that I remember hearing or that I read about was about a man named Howard Dahl. And he was out fishing with his son and their dog. And they saw six donut-shaped objects flying above the sky, and one of them crashed. I love donuts. <laughs> Donut. And what ended up happening is a little, the, his son got burned. Had, they had to send him to the emergency room because he had... Burn! Oh. No. 
And then the dog died. The dog was killed. Aww. Aww. And later on, they were these men showed up in black suits to talk to him about it. Were they from the funeral home? No. They didn't have a funeral for the dog. Oh. The dog was the only death. Oh, poor dog. <laughs> we all would have had a funeral for the dog. Well, this is the 40s, back when farm or dogs were animals and they were used as such. I mean, I, our dad was very adamant that dogs were just dogs. They're just fine. Yeah, animal. very true. And he was born in 42. So, anyway, these guys, they go out to eat with the, like, take these guys out to, like, a diner. And they're talking to him and all this stuff. And they, basically what happens is the guys tell him, hey, don't tell anybody about what happened. And that seems to be the reoccurring factor when it comes to the men in black. It's always, don't tell anybody what happened. And then they threaten some kind of bodily harm. Yeah. But nobody's ever... Tech- or have they? The people disappear. Look at all the missing persons cases. Yeah, I mean it's that, very. There's possible. so many unexplained like, like yeah. disappearances that maybe instead of being abducted by aliens, they were abducted by men in black. Yeah, maybe. I mean it could be one in every thousand, but there's hundreds of thousands of people that go missing every year in true, this. True. Maybe this instead country. of aliens probing them, maybe it was just a gay encounter with the men in black. There are actually quite a few erotic stories with the men in black as well when you search the internet. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently that is a fetish. (laughs) Just so you know, Chad. (laughs) It is not me. (laughs) As he smiles with such serenity. Um, The next stories would be about, uh, probably the most famous, who made men in black famous was Albert Bender. Albert Bender was kind of a nerd. He was a UFO, uh, ufologist. Well, yeah. uh, self-proclaimed claim. He was ufologist. a ufologist that started the he started the International Flying Saucers Bureau or the IFSB. Yeah. And like, oh, probably most ufologists, we'll call them armchair ufologists, ones that sit in, at home. Yeah. Do the. Watching the, the videos theory. and stuff and do all the theory. I mean, he went to some investigations and I talked to a bunch of people. But he started getting very suspicious that he was being followed. And Well, that all started one night. He went to the movies. Yeah. And he went to go see... I can't, actually can't remember the movie right now. I don't think they said <clears> what <throat> it was. I think they said that it was such a B-rated movie. Yeah. never made anything. So but he went there by himself. And why he was there... He kept feeling like someone was staring at him and looks over and there's some men in black sitting a couple chairs away from him just staring at him. And he looks back at the screen, looks back, and the guy's gone. And then he looks back a little bit later throughout the movie and sees the same guy sitting behind him. So he's starting to feel uncomfortable at this point. So he gets up and walks out of the theater and he's like, I'm just going to walk home. So as he starts walking home, he turns around and as he turns around, he sees someone kind of crouched down by a vehicle you know, across the street. And he wasn't sure if it was you know, just perfect timing that he turned around and someone happened to bend over to pick something up or if it was someone actually hiding. But that's when he started getting this real paranoid feeling um, and started thinking someone was after him for all of the knowledge about the UFOs he has. And well, when he now, got... Oh, go I heard he was a World War II veteran. He was a soldier, yes. I don't think he actually ever saw action. Okay. I could be wrong, though. I didn't check far into that. But he was living in the attic of his stepfather's home. 
And when he came home from the movies, he came home and his attic room had been... So it looked like someone had gone yeah, through so it. Yeah, had gone through everything. Which made him paranoid, of course. And then he would have started having these dreams where they would come and talk to him and tell him things. And he actually set up, I don't know what you call it, but like a mass, you know, ET phone home. But it, like he sent it out to all of like the ufologists around the country to at this time on this date, we're going to try to call the aliens and ask them for help. Yeah. Oh, that's the kind of stuff that Con- Greer does. They were calling it contact day. Yeah, like a contact yeah. day. And um, they did that. Nothing happened. And he, like he, so he, he, you know, well, they did that, and he's he's repeating it. And the third time he repeats it, all of a sudden, he gets a message. Basically, it says, "Stop this." What is the thing called that the Scientologists do that drive people insane? Brainwash. No, it's um, it's. Well, I mean, that's part of it, but that's not what I'm thinking of, where they, like, follow them and then threaten them and then make weird kooky stuff happen around them to make them go yeah, crazy. Yeah, talking about, I can think of what it's um, called. What is that called? Uh, gang. <laughs> gang stalking. Gang stalking, yes. Yeah. So, this is what they were calling out on contact day. Calling occupants of interplanetary craft. Calling occupants of interplanetary craft that have been observing our planet, Earth. We of IF... SP, wish to make contact with you. We are your friends and would like you to make an appearance here on Earth. Your present before us will be welcomed with the utmost friendship. We will do all in our power to promote mutual understanding between your people and the people of Earth. Please come in peace and help us in our earthly problems. Give us some sign that you have received our message. Be responsible for creating a miracle here on our planet to wake up the ignorant ones to reality. Let us hear from you. We are your friends. P.S. I love you. <laughs> Apparently, I love you. this was turned into a song by the Carpenters. Yeah. Was it? Yes, in the 70s. You, now, you know what it sounds like to me? That would be just one of those phone calls. I'm just like, can you take me off your call list, please? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So basically... After this happened, he had what he would refer to as an out-of-body experience. He started getting a headache, and then he closed his eyes, and all of a sudden he could see his body. Um, Then he heard an authoritative voice that told him, We have been watching you and your activities. Please be advised to discontinue delving into the mysteries of the universe. We will make an appearance if you disobey. So he was like, why are you being so mean? <laughs> Basically is what he's thinking. I just want to be <laughs> your friend. And he said, why, well, why aren't you friendly to us? We do not mean you any harm. And then they replied with, we have a special assignment and we must not be disturbed by your people. Um, That's my excuse every day at work. <laughs> Leave me alone. I can't get my work done. That's exactly how I feel most days at work. (laughs) And so then later, he gets another visit. And they basically say, you are not a person of great renown on your planet. Therefore, we have nothing to fear at your presence. We We have a purpose for being here. And we will be here sometime yet. We must not be disturbed of our ultimate goal. 
you as or as you see us here, we are not our natural form. We have been found we have found it necessary to take the look of your people while here. This is merely used as a means for returning here without being detected by anyone. We have made numerous contacts with Earth by means of craft from our own base, and at the present we have craft hidden in a remote spot on your planet. We have found it necessary to go into great extremes at times to frighten off your Earth people, and it has resulted in their deaths. We have also found it necessary to carry off Earth people and use their body to disguise our own. We wish to keep in touch with you and tell you many things, because one day you will write about this, and we are certain that nobody will believe you. But you will be much wiser than anyone else on your planet. You will know what is out there in space, and you will know what the future holds for your mankind. You will see all three of us again, and we shall not reveal our names. They would mean nothing to you. Refer to us as numbers one, two, and three. We will answer it to the according number. Who does number two? No, um, Pick number two, me lord. What... What it sounds like they're talking about is like they're abducting people and using consciousness shifting to get into their bodies. Yeah. But then that doesn't explain why See, they have I took the it as the whole uh, Leatherface and uh, Jeepers Creepers <laughs> thing where right. they're just cutting off the skin and wearing on the suits or like men in black. Skin shifters. That makes more sense because like men it's in black hairless he, and he it takes their looks skin. like rubber. Yeah. 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 Got any sugar water? And basically what they ended up telling him was you need to see solid activity in researching us. And so Bender went back and resigned his post after. He went back and resigned? Yeah, yeah. he resigned from the IFSB or whatever. But and like he told them like to stop like he wanted them to stop the whole thing. And they actually shut down the North American or the United States branch. But like the European branch and stuff like that. Because this was actually this group grew throughout multiple countries. Um, the other branches kept stayed open, but the U.S. branch closed down for a little while, and then I think it reopened again at some point. But <clears throat> I just found it interesting how they show up to. It was like ones or threes, basically. Yeah, it's either one or three. Well, yeah. they they show usually are showing up in sets of three. Yeah. So it's either three, like they're one to three. Yes, they like they've been one and twos, but they also show up in like six, nine. Yeah. 12, 15, well, like, bigger groups. Like the, but not only just three, three, but they would show up, like, three times yeah. also. Oh, wow. Like Terrible they, things happen once, in threes. They tend to show up uh, uh, up to three times, and then they would never show up again. Now, um, their tactics sound a lot like gang stalking. Yes. Well, they would also, like, not only would, you know, they show up and, like, show themselves... But they people would also get weird phone calls. Yes, and we talked about that in the Mothman. Yeah, how they'd get strange phone calls with just random beeping, random or beeping or random noises, or it would be them saying, "You need to stop what you're doing, stop trying to communicate with this, or quit trying to share this information, or we will come after you," and stuff like that. Yeah, um, Albert Bender started having that happen to him as well. Um, but a lot of the ca- a lot of the stories actually re- involve these phone calls and threatening messages and uncomfortable feelings, like things accompanied by headaches and nauseousness. So, one thing that whenever I was reading, uh, I was reading part of uh, uh, this book I was reading, uh, where they talk about the the beeps and the noises, and then how it follows with nauseousness and whatnot. I always thought it was kind of weird and there was some sort of connectivity to it to where like maybe it was like a frequency that they sent 
like through, I mean, obviously through the phone, but to a certain point where it would unlock or it cause a kind of like a, a placebo effect to happen to where it would cause you to be nauseous or cause you to have headaches. I, I, oh, absolutely. Well, I see uh, stuff like that all the time where it's like this frequency of pitch will help heal your aura. Oh, yeah. Or this frequency of pitch will help you get diarrhea. Or this <laughs> well, frequency was, of pitch, you know, that kind of stuff. There was just in Cuba last year, I think it was, maybe the year before, they actually brought diplomats home from the uh, consulate in Cuba because they felt like they'd been attacked. But they, they held a sonic weapon. Yeah. They said they were hearing like ringing and... Yeah, and is it, that the thing they blamed on crickets? Yes. Okay. But um, I mean, they would have they they actually had concussions from these sound waves that they were hearing. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, our our own uh, government and police force uses sound wave technology to disperse uh, like protesting crowds, yeah. crowds yeah. and yeah. things like that. Well, it <laughs> makes me think of when Mars attacks. And they find out that the that song. the song, the Yodely song, is like <laughs> what kills them all and like makes their heads explode. So it's definitely possible, but if we're talking nineteen fifties America, would the government have had a technology like that then? They probably would have been developing it. Yeah. That but when we're talking about the men in black, we're talking about something that's like deeper because we don't we don't necessarily think well, I personally don't necessarily think that the men in black have anything to do with the government. I think it's its own separate entity. I, I I don't think that it has anything to do with the government. No. I don't think they're real, so... <laughs> if they are real, I don't think that they have anything to do with the government. At this time, this is around the time Eisenhower was this president, is, yeah, so he this, was having his... This is when they believed that Eisenhower was having treaties. his meetings with the Greys or the Nordics and signing treaties and, and I believe getting it was, technology. It was Eisenhower who set up MJ-12, was it not? I think Let me get you a so. fact check. Pause. Okay. Majestic 12. So I know this is when Eisenhower was. Yeah, because uh, Gray Barker yeah. is who started the Eisenhower stuff. With, yeah. And Gray Barker is was friends with Albert Bender, who wrote a bunch of books about well, Albert's experiences. Albert Bender oh. wrote a book, and then his stories he told to Gary, or Gray, Gray uh, Baker, um, wrote his own book as well. Yeah, uh, MJ-12 was formed in 1947, but actually by Truman. Oh, it was by Truman. Okay. So Truman, Truman had formed MJ-12. I honestly, from stories that I've heard about MJ-12, this is the Majestic 12, this was people who were put in power to investigate UFO phenomenon by the president. Um, there's a story and a rumor that what happened is they had started, they, they actually had a collection of aliens, and they were working with them. But basically what I've read, watched and read about MJ-12 is that they actually were, came under mind control from the aliens that they were working with. And they sent a letter and completely denounced the president as having any power over the organization and quit doing what the government would say, things like that. This goes up into Kennedy, and Kennedy had actually... the day before, a week before he was assassinated, he had sent a letter to the leaders of MJ-12 saying he wanted to have that information on his desk by the start of the next day or he would shut down the whole program and completely quit funding it. And then guess what? He was assassinated. So that actually goes into the JFK theory. So we need to get into MJ-12. We need to yeah. <laughs> do an MJ-12 yeah. episode. Because it gets, it, gets, it gets into the conspiracy theory with MJ-12. But... 
what if that is MJ-12? And... They're using the, the side. Well, what if, even if it was like, that was them, but then the idea like from Albert Bender saying it's this, the men in black, and that's what he started calling them. And then they just started using that identity. Yeah, they just used that identity. That just, you know, when it first started, yeah, they were probably wearing black suits because of government officials. And kind of that was their Calling normal card. wear for like the FBI and all that. So that's probably what they were wearing. And then when they took off this name of Men in Black, well, then they probably just took it and ran with it. Yeah, because yeah, when you were describing the way these people dressed, I mean, it's, it sounded just like, if you remember when Reagan got shot and the way the Secret Service was dressed... Yeah, I mean, black suit, trench coat. Well, like the I way mean, the Super Secret fedora. Service dresses now, although yeah. they don't the usually do the fedoras. Although yeah. fedoras are coming back into style a little bit, they're still not quite. Uh, they're not as popular as they were. Hats in general just aren't as popular unless it's ball caps. I that I mean that's just one theory that the men in black are government agents. Well, like when a lot of the um, interviews with people who have seen Men in Black is they would claim to be government officials from different branches. They'd be like, well, this is Captain blah, 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 of the Navy, and this is Master Sergeant blah, blah, blah from the Air Force, and we're here to talk to you about this. And then um, there was one interview, and it was with a guy who wrote Mothman Prophecies. John Keel. John Keel, he had uh, a run-in with Men in Black, and they gave him these names and titles of the Navy, uh, I think it was the Navy, yeah, and when he called up trying to figure <laughs> out Navy those names, well, he I think he actually called. I don't know who who would call to actually figure that out, but who he are you gonna them, call? Uh, and those names and ranks weren't ever listed or anything like that. But they're using government credentials to now, get into people's homes, and, and I wonder if that has to do with like the authority figure. In our society, you know, it probably has a lot to do that. That one has to be believed, and two has to be obeyed. There was another story where I read where they pretended to be the police. Yeah, and um, of course, squad car and everything. Yeah, they had the squad car, everything. They showed up. They even took the people in the squad car. Yeah, and then drove them around town, and then just dropped them off in the highway. Um, You know, you know how many people (laughs) go missing like that every year Mm -hmm. from some asshole who pretends to be a cop and then takes them and does whatever he wants with them. Well, it's because. You know, you you follow authority figures. Um, If someone flashes a badge, you're just going to believe it and go with it. Now, we've had times, we've had twice now, we've had people come to our front door and say they're with the FBI. And both times, they were doing background investigations on our neighbor who lived there. But it's a different neighbor. (laughs) (laughs) Like, two different neighbors who've lived in that house, we've had the FBI come here to do investigations on. Well, um, Uh, supposedly, if, I don't know if that's true, Dave would know, if you're trying to join the military... They do a background check mm-hmm. like that. Um, oh yeah. When we used to live out by the lake off of 60th, uh, one of them came by and was asking about our neighbor because his son was joining the air force. Even the post office. Yeah. Yeah. yeah any kind any of government. Any kind of government position. Mostly, it's to come to make sure you say who you say you are. Yeah. Now, one thing in this book by Conrad Bauer that I read, he said, <laughs> he said something. Else. He was talking about men in black being. Similar to that of the Fae and how fairies, you know, will basically come into human life to just wreak havoc. Yeah. Not really. Astral they, hobos. Yeah, they're exactly. Astral hobos. They just want to goof off and cause chaos. 
And he said, very similar to the Fae, they can't seem to get their story right. right. Some, some men in black are FBI, some are CIA, some are Air Force, some are Army, but nobody has the same story. He said that's very Fae-like. So this is kind of like what the Ishii is involved into. Yeah. From like the doula hands and the leprechauns yes. to the... And your trickster deities and things like yeah. that. Where like they're... Loki. Yeah. Their, their whole mission in life is just to wreak havoc in humans' lives. So that's another theory on the Men in Black is that they are a fae or even trickster deity type status. One of my favorite theories for Men in Black... Goes actually brings into uh, you said Scientology earlier, brings in L. Ron Hubbard, and I think it was Pearson or Persons, um, a professor who was with the OTOs, um, who studied under uh, Alistair Crawley, yeah. and they were the two of them were trying to summon or do the moon child ritual, which is they're trying to bring in I'm saying Aeon, but that's just from Final Fantasy, <laughs> um, <laughs> what it's called. Um, bring in this deity-like figure because they were saying Aleister Crawley did the moon child ritual and brought in this god of war kind of thing where everything was at, everyone's at war. It's a, it causes all these issues. And the two of them were trying to bring in a deity to, of peace and love and to stop all this. Aleister Crawley knew that they weren't you know, smart enough to do the ritual and but let them do it anyway because it was going to fail. Um and when they opened these gates, what actually came out were um, around this time. Because when around this time is actually when cryptids like the Chupacabra, Flatwood Monster. Flatwood Monster. Flatwood Monster. Um, oh, probably Loch Ness, too. No, Loch Ness and Bigfoot were already, oh, been already seen before this. But multiple other cryptids that were more terrorizing sinister, and evil, sinister, evil. started showing up after this. And so they believe that when they opened the gates doing the moon child ritual, they released Christmas cryptids and the men in black, which are just, like Amy said, they were kind of a mischievous entity. You know about, um, you know about what year they opened these portals? Uh, I want to say it was around the, ni- like, not around 1950. Oh, I can't okay. remember the exact year. Um, some people believe that L. Ron Hubbard knew they were going to fail and did it on purpose. And those who don't know, L. Ron Hubbard is the one who started Scientology, modern day Scientology. Yeah. But, is believed some people believe that he create he did it on purpose to cause all these problems and stuff like that. That's a kind of a believable story too, because <laughs> an honest well Because Scientology causes a lot of problems. Yeah, well, <laughs> we won't get into religious <laughs> like that. But um I was thinking more along the lines of that generation, they were the, the greatest generation. They were the hardest working, they fought world wars, two war, wor- world wars you know, that type of situation. And then everything's just kind of gone downhill, in, especially the United States since then. Yeah. Well, yeah, of course the society's going to go downhill. If we were to tell this next generation, <coughs> we're better than you in every single way. True. How do you think they're going to be raised up? And that generation still <laughs> likes to think that they were better than everybody else. And then the gen- and everybody thinks they're better than everybody else. We're not going to get into that either. <laughs> oh, okay. That's a generational thing as well. Um, everybody thinks they're better than the new ones. Them damn millennials. We're sorry. But uh, that's probably one of my favorite ones, mainly because I really like Aleister Crawley. He yeah. really just is a big interest of mine. Seems really weird. So we need to so. do an Aleister Crawley episode like we did a... Uh, Madame Blavatsky. Madame Blavatsky. I don't know. 
Dave did such good research. I'd have to make him do all the reading for Alistair Crawley because <laughs> oh, I can. I, yeah. I I would get as in depth as he can. Now right, we've covered them being in that Men in Black being government officials and being the Fae. They could be aliens from another planet that are here trying to control us and whatnot. Try and keep us from leaking, leaking without the truth getting out. Um, could it could be they could be the police force of the Galactic Federation that we talked about in our alien race yeah. episode. Could be I don't know why not. <laughs> they could be tulpas. Yes, tulpas is another a lot thing. of belief is that they are tulpas. Is someone thought them up? That Bender thought them up. Bender thought them up, and because they took off everything, it just grew in power and created a tulpa, tulpa of Men in Black. I got an interview here that Nick Redfern did that kind of goes into that kind of ideal. Uh, this is from the website mysteriousuniverse.org, and Nick Redfern elaborates on an interview he performed with Colin Bennett. On the issue of Gray Barker, who, along with Albert Bender, pretty much began the Men in Black mystery in the early 1950s. Colin said to me in October 2010, quote, Barker may indeed have written episodes of supposed UFO history himself, just to keep the narrative going, or to kickstart it when it lagged. But skeptics, foaming at the mouth, should be warned here that this is not witness to their claims of the falsehood of all ufological experience. Story breeders may fulfill precisely the object of contact. Not only will they tell the story, they will expand it, adding episodes of their own in order to try and initiate mythological change and development. Such mimetic gameplay operates on the recognized principle that we imagine we create a form of life. Colin expanded further on this thought on the nature of the men in black. It appears fairly obvious to me that men in black are liminal manifestations as much as is Bigfoot. Like the UFO itself, the MIB and Bigfoot look like short media clips more than anything else. We can easily assume that any alien form may well have evolved into pure media, leaving behind mechanical traces perhaps millions of years ago. With such large animal cryptids are reported, there is no food swath, no signs of nesting or breeding, no signs of tribal fights, and most important of all, no skeletal remains upon death fatal injury or illness. Colin had more to say. Quote, The man in black differs, of course, from, say, Bigfoot, and that the man in black takes a humanoid form and has a limited language and an equally limited presence. But similar to Bigfoot, our man in black has no social background. Every single one of these animal and human cryptids appear to be limited simulation processing a very short half-life, rather like a collection of discarded film edits we have, therefore, a detectable program at work here whose limitations are functions of its own psychological and dialectical resolution. The edits are the key to the program. Colin, who had his very own Men in Black encounter in the early 1980s in London, England, offers these words, quote, The quick exits and entrances of Men in Black are good defense, of course. In my case, our visitor made sure that I didn't have time to th think from certain kinds of questions who answers might reveal the absence of true, live, human bio-complexity. I think he was reading me as my questions were forming in my head and got out quick. 
We have to conclude, therefore, that our over-specialized, over-serious, predictable, and extremely limited man in black is capable of only producing a very similar simulation for a very short time. It's notable that Colin had his own thoughts on the Albert Bender affair, too. Quote, Before marriage, Bender was a rather typical back-bedroom young person of his time. His room was decorated with symbols of all kinds of occult weirdness, and it resembled a kind of metaphysical temple. He did not take notice of warnings of all classical occultists, Levi and Crowley. That mystical occultism is not to be taken lightly. History gives plenty examples of forms which can be summoned up to tell all kinds of tales to gullible human beings, always anxious to have the secrets to the life, the universe, and everything. 42. 42. That's, that's, that's the galaxy. answer. I mean, it's the answer to life, the universe, and everything. Yeah. Oh, I see. <sighs> Good. <clears throat> Seven times six. Good books. Well, with the with the knowledge presented in this interview, what what he's trying to convey, I think, through all this this mystical talk, is that most of the MIB phenomenon is simply a thought form entity, possibly a servitor that was never entirely developed past initial investigatory dialogue and engagement. Maybe even some consciousness that is astrologically projecting this 2D image. However, the ones that behave in a different way than described are more powerful through sheer awareness and acknowledgement by large groups of people. I mean, that would kind of explain the whole them able to read your thoughts kind of thing. If it's a thought form entity that comes from your belief and your idea of them being real that it could just read your mind because they're part of your mind. Yeah, that would make yeah. sense, too. Or well, they're at least on the plane that all your thoughts are yeah. on. And one thing mm-hmm. that the last podcast guys brought up, when they because they were talking about tulpas, and the, uh, the thought of them being tulpas, and one thing they brought up is because they always show up during paranormal events and such, Yeah, and they, they cause people great fear, is that they actually feed on fear. And that, because, well, and you think about the major, the most powerful emotions that humans have fear, anger, and love. Those are our, like, most powerful emotions. Fear and anger are the two easiest to coerce. Yeah, to make. Um, So those would be the two that they would. Well, during our Topol episode, didn't we talk about some uh, them being able to. Like their energy isn't just like someone's thought energy, but their fear or their yeah, like how they think it's they manifest their downfall yeah, and everything. And it, you would think they could feed off of the fear of yeah of people. So. so basically, the men in black would be kind of a tulpa that formed more into an egregore. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the word. It's, it's going to be more of a mass a mass sighting of them. Yeah. An unintentional, an unintentional I mean, mass sighting. Even as more people add to the knowledge of them, they're still not defining anything, so they can't act, act outside of the limits of just being a threatening investigatory entity. Yeah. Now, if someone were to sit there, society as a whole was to sit there and take the time that, like, oh, they like, they like flowers and they like, they like money, then maybe we'd see that in the in the. Uh, program of them. Let's try it. 
The men in black love to wear tutus. Now I want all of our listeners to yeah. just start imagining men in black in bright pink tutus. And then I want to see if we actually start getting reports of men in black showing up with bright pink tutus. That would be pretty funny. It would be or, awesome. Or or red ties. Pink let's, tutus let's and red ties. Simple. Let's do both. I want both. Okay, let's do both. <laughs> Can we have a pretty little bow tie? Yeah, sure, we'll do red bow ties. Sexy. Red bow ties, pink tutu. Ready? Visualize. All right, we're good. All right, and then <laughs> let's give them another talking point. Unearthing paranormal. Scene. Yes. They're yeah. fans there of we, unearthing paranormal. They are. They will, talk, they will talk about how great of a podcast we are. And how bad Chad is at it. But that well, doesn't, that doesn't follow the simulation, though. The simulation is they're going to come to you and they're going to say, you need to stop listening to this show or we're going to harm your family. Oh. That's what they're going to say to you. Oh, we don't want to do that then. No. We don't want them to not listen to us. Um, tell them to stop being vegetarians. Stop watching Fox News. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They need to tell you to stop watching Fox News. Uh-huh. Start yeah. thinking for yourself. <laughs> Turn off CNN and Fox. Think for yourself. Use your reptilian brain the best that you can. <laughs> so, Men in Black could very well be tulpas. We got tulpas. We got jokester deities and demons. Fairies. And fairies. Government. Now, when we talk about the Fae, are we talking about just fairies? Because doesn't the Fae in general have... There's a, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a much larger... Okay. Yeah. It's, yeah. Pre- it's pretty much anything that's in that astral plane. Yeah, that, that lives kind of in the astral plane, likes to jump over to our side and mess with us a little bit here and there. Um, Poke the dragon. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so what are some other theories? My favorite theory, and I think Chad's favorite theory... Yeah, I said the Alistair Crawley one was, but it's second to this one. Um, the idea of them being the time travel police or time cops. Bad boys, bad boys. What, what you, you gonna, gonna do? What, what you gonna, gonna do when we come for you? Basically making Men in Black out to be kind of the, uh, the Texas Rangers of time travel where they go after the people who are mis- or abusing the time travel, either letting getting too close to getting known, trying to change history, things yeah. like that. Causing the wrong ripples. Yeah. yeah. And this goes back to our Mandela Effect episode where it's these people who are getting past and they're not getting caught are changing, changing little things here yeah, and there. Changing things and that's how the Mandela Effect is effect, er, affects us. And like this also comes ties into our Mothman episode yeah. for kind of in the belief that Mothman is actually trying to warn people from disasters and trying to help us. Because um, like he was spotted on the silver bridge before it collapsed. He was spotted on the I-35 bridge when it collapsed. Um, instead of him causing it, it's the idea of him trying to st- like warn people to stop all these deaths from happening. And Men in Black are all associated with all these sightings of Mothman. And it's believed that they're actually trying to capture Mothman, but he's able to elude them. He's eluding the police. He's and got a list of charges now. So they're actually trying to capture Mothman because he's trying to change history. Yes, and he may be effectively changing history. Could it be that more people died during these events than actually died because he was spotted? Um, But yeah, they're after him because of that type of situation. And same with aliens when they're whether this would be the idea of the aliens or time travelers really who are coming back to either take something from us convince us to do something 
alter history for the good or the bad and that men in black are actually there trying to stop it. They're trying to convince the people that have seen them that they didn't see anything because that would affect the future in itself. And they don't want you to tell anybody because that affects more people. And so, and, it's, and that, that feeds into the egregore. Yeah. yeah. Now, another thing where this comes along with John Keel, John Keel talks a lot about prophecies and how aliens were telling him things that were going to happen. I mean, Bobby Kennedy's assassination was supposedly told to somebody from an alien being. And now they were claimed to be men in black that were telling them these, but they weren't the typical men in black in these instances. They were just men who showed up dressed in black suits, but they were telling them things instead of telling them not to say things. And then men in black would come back and tell them not to say those things. Like, not to share Almost those like stories. a contingency plan. Yeah. And it was just like continuously like that. There would be there were a couple of stories where I read where the men in black would come and meet people. They'd be really nice and they'd tell them things and they'd give them all this information. And then a few days later, another set of men in black, either the this look the similar or they were completely different, would come and they would say, Hey, you know those guys you saw two days ago? Don't tell anybody about them. Well, at this point, it's two days later. They've already told somebody. <laughs> now, now you said maybe they they live off of our fear. Mm-hmm. Maybe they live off of our confusion instead. <laughs> Very well. <laughs> they will. That would explain why they're so large. There is nothing about known. aliens that is not confusing. <laughs> Let me right? tell you, aliens are like it's like a deep dark hole that you get sucked into, and it's really interesting because there's all these different theories, and you start following one like. I noticed for me when I'm doing the research on this stuff, I start I get attached to one theory and I follow that theory until I can't take it anymore. Yeah. And I talked about this on the alien episode and I was talking to Dave about this the other day. Aliens is the only topic that I have ever researched that I actually was more scared after I researched it than I was before. <laughs> like aliens like most of the time knowledge is power and it like that's what our whole podcast is based on is the more you know the less you're afraid of. For me, the more I was learning about reptilians, the scarier and scarier reptilians became. <laughs> yeah, because like, ah! yeah, these men in black, they don't, they don't, they don't tend to be like jump scares like the Mothman was, no, where he's like, like hiding in the bush, and yeah. uh, th- they tend to announce their presence, and then are just real confusing and or real threatening, and then well, a, they take off. There's a video on YouTube. I think Dave showed it to me one time, and I was watch. I found it when I was looking for. Uh, or black men in black stuff and it's this car driving down this highway and there's these two men in suits carrying briefcases walking down the road and then they get in the the spot or the headlights of the car and they turn and they look and then they start running off but they run really awkwardly and then they run into this field and in this field like 30 men in black pop their heads up like gophers and then they all start like staring at the car and running off And then, (laughs) no, no, you didn't finish it. And then there's an explosion, like, way off in the field. Yeah. It is by far one of the creepiest videos. Now I have to watch it. And I don't know what's so creepy about it. Because, I mean, it totally looks like it's staged and faked. Yeah. But for some reason, like, when you think about, what if this was real? That's creepy shit. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you're just driving down this dark road, and all of a sudden you see two men walking down the highway. That's scary enough. Then all of a sudden they start taking off in this weird run thing. Well, it's also actually one of the things said about men in black is they 
they're humanoid, but they don't walk. They don't walk or or speak right. Speak correct, like, like a human. They look like it's something in a human suit. And they, they seem to struggle a lot with speech. In fact, when I was reading about the way that they spoke, I, I actually used the way you and I read. <laughs> it's exactly out loud. how it is. <laughs> well, the, um, uh, the, 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 the men in, men, men in, men in black like to, um, 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 yeah. All right. The video was uploaded by Gabe Hash TV on July 7th, 2016. Or you could just put in Google men in black dash cam footage. Yeah. And it'll usually be one of the top few that come up. Yeah. It's, it, it's creeps, creepy video. Chad wants to watch it. <laughs> See, there's also these cases, too, of men in black wanting water or and taking odd pills. Things. Not even just water. There's one uh, encounter where they came in and said, in 13 minutes, I'm going to need... There's or a asked if they had salt. Yeah. yeah. And said, in 13 minutes, I'm going to need a cup of salt. And then took a pill and swallowed a cup full of salt. I don't remember um, a cup of water. I don't remember a cup of salt. That one with, I um, can't remember who it was that ran into him, is they came in and they were talking and then one of them starts digging underneath the sink and pulls up a gallon of bleach. Yes, that was John Keel. John Keel, yeah, Keel. that's what I thought it was. Um, and ask what this is and he tells them it's bleach and they like interrogate him to make sure it's bleach. Like and make they, him sniff make it. Make like, him sniff it and he's like, yes, that's bleach. And then they all start drinking from the, ga- the gallon jug of bleach. And then I almost drink it all, give it back to him, and then they just, then they leave. So oh, the men in black weird. are always drinking something weird. Yeah. Which, if you think in the movies, you know, uh, the cockroach guy. Um, sugar water. Yeah, it wants sugar water. So. so they drink bleach, and they eat copious amounts of salt. Yes, and they take a pill. A pill. Now, there was one story where... He pulls out like four pills and he takes two of them and he gives one to the, the lady he is talking to and tells her to take it. And for some reason, she feels compelled to take it. And she said it made her feel like out of it. Yeah. And then John Keel, actually, I think is who it was, got the fourth or the, the fourth pill from her and had it tested. And it was something that was actually being experimented by the government at the time for MK Ultra. Oh, really? MK Ultra. Do you know so, what it was called? Um, like sodium pentothal or All right, later Keel had the pills examined um, and it was determined to be composed of some sort of sulfur com- compound. Interesting enough at the time of these sightings, the clandestine MK Ultra mind control program was in full gear and the CIA actively experimented with a supposed truth serum of sodium thiol. Pinnacle. Yeah, that one. Uh, the drug has a sulfur compound as well. Oh. See, I hear that a lot in the description of these that people smell like a sulfur smell. When that, yeah. Yes, that is something that's also really common. Albert Bender, his room, when he found it was ransacked, said he smelled a strong smell of sulfur throughout his room. And what's... Which would also tie into demons and stuff like that. What's bleach made out of? It's... What's the compound Hold of on. bleach? Another f- <laughs> another fact check. Pause. Um, it is one part sodium and one part chlorine, so it's NaCio is mm. the compound. I was, I was just trying to wonder if maybe there the was formula. something like a like something sulfuric, but chlorine doesn't smell sulfuric. It smells 
chlorine. It smells like it's compound, yeah. It smells like a compound of different chemicals and that are in the periodic table and um, it really burns the nostrils. <laughs> Intermathman's <laughs> buddy science Steve. <laughs> da, 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 da. Sidekick. Science Steve. <laughs> if we go out into space, we have to have oxygen. Yes. So, and oh my God, I get so sick and tired of hearing there's no other carbon based life forms. And well, why does an alien have to be carbon based? Yeah. Just because we're carbon based doesn't mean other life forms have to be carbon based. So, what if they do need sodium or they do need sulfur to survive? Yeah, yeah. And so these pills are the way that they get that. If we were able to somehow take a pill to receive oxygen, we wouldn't have our big spacesuits, right? Mm-hmm. We would just take this pill, go out into outer space, and be able to breathe or not have to worry about breathing. Makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, that makes complete sense. Well, with any theory, like any alien movie, they usually die because, uh, like, okay, World of the Worlds, for instance, they die because their body's not immune or adapted to our Earth's atmosphere and our germs and whatnot. So for them to actually have to take a pill or drink certain substances to level out the chemicals in their own body, mm-hmm. it makes all the kinds of sense. Yeah. Or or the oh, yeah. the pills could just be antibiotics, kind of like what he is saying, yeah. where it Medication. kills any kind of microorganisms. Well, what that seems to be the happen- our- What seems to be the happening? What seems to happen <laughs> with the pills is they start slowing down in their speech, and they get more slurred, and, and then they take the pills, and all of a sudden they're back and fine. So it's like brings it to a certain yeah point of like controlled. Like their levels out their pH balance, yeah, I know, yeah something well, like then that. You can look at it too. Maybe they're not like an alien in a skin. Maybe they're like David talked kind of brought up earlier, like a conscious transfer. And as that conscious starts to leave that body, they have to trap it back in. Trap then. it back in by using a certain thing. And the bleach oh, one doesn't really yeah. make sense, but the pill would kind of make more sense. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, maybe the it's weaken the body enough to for the conscious to take control of it again. Well, Maybe the, it's the weakness of the host that it needs. Yeah. Well, the bleach wasn't um, something they brought with them. That was just something they were yeah, they they trying out. The and then they're yeah. like, here, smell this. But but the pills are <laughs> definitely something they, they carry and take yeah. as they have these encounters. So yes. what, what's another interesting factor is that some people believe that they're robots. Did you guys read any about that? Yes. They, yeah. They've moved very mechanically. Oh, yeah. Well, which it it does make sense though, because well, I mean, it doesn't make sense, but it does make sense why people would think that. Because when they walk, they don't walk normal. When they yeah. interact with people or use hand, like their hands to talk or whatever, it doesn't look right. I mean, and then you can, I mean, when they get before they take that pill, it literally. I mean, they're like the pill could very well know. be like a, some type of battery. Exactly. Like they're running. Uh, <laughs> ah, buy some Duracell <laughs> or some Energizer. <laughs> yeah, what what are batteries made out of? Alkaline. Pill. Yeah, they're alkaline. Mm. Alkaline. Or lithium. Or lithium. Yeah. Yeah. Now, don't they give lithium to people that have bipolar disorder to keep them normal? Uh, I don't know. I've known a handful of bipolar people, and none of them have taken batteries because. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't mean batteries, but but the uh, lithium. But lithium. 
Lithium Nine. I don't know. Um, I saw it at a show. I really feel like Science <laughs> Steve needs to come in on this and give us some information. But yeah, that's math man, not science man. No, he, he, he no. the whole. We have Science, science Steve. Steve is the sidekick oh. of m- <laughs> math. No, man. it's not. It's. Jet no, Ricochet. Yeah. Okay. Jet Ricochet, this is his real name. Thanks for giving that out. Oh, sorry. Sorry. It's, yeah, never mind. We're going to write our whole comic book series. Um, we'll call him Spring Hill Jet. Spring Hill Jet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Some other sightings that we've got. Um, no, I was about to say a math man. <laughs> <laughs> we have sightings of math man already? Wait, this is, is awesome. It, is, he, is he putting hieroglyphics <laughs> on the wall of simple math questions? No. No? They're, they're square roots. I just, started, I just started thinking of Goodwill Hunting. I'm screwed. Math man's just going through and writing things on the wall and waiting for someone to walk up and solve them. There's pie charts and all kinds of stuff going on. And there's chalk sprinkling down into a janitor's brain. That's really what ancient hieroglyphs actually are, are the original math mans, because it's like uh, the powers handed down generation to generation. But hieroglyphs are actually just assigned to, or just hard math questions so that now he's the, writing out. So, so now the bird actually is a two? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The bird's a two, the snake is a three, um, and, and then... And the Anka is now a five, yeah. And then the little all-seeing eye pyramid is actually just a multiplication symbol. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's how chaos math works. <laughs> <laughs> this is the One plus math. two plus chaos. Forget Common Core. We're going with math, man, math. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. I mean, he's evolved. <laughs> and start using numbers, and you know it even got crazy. He evolved so much he started adding letters. Oh yeah, that's true. And yeah. pandas, okay, apparently. Too. Yeah. yeah, pandas. Because Amy hears pandas when I see pimdas. Three squiggly lines. Squiggly and for those lines, who don't know what pimdas is, it's the mathematical order you do things. It's parentheses, exponents, multiplication, division, ad- addition, and subtraction. And Chad told me so that, and I go, "Oh, I really was too dumb for math, man." <laughs> so I kept hearing panda. <laughs> So whenever you see these memes on face on Facebook of solve this math problem, mm-hmm. remember PIMDAS or pandas if you're Amy. O- order of operations. Math. Just think of math, man. Math's hard. <laughs> so is life. So is life. But math, man, is there to help? All right. So back on to <laughs> spacemen and men in black. Uh, some other famous sightings of men in black. The first spaceman. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but uh, Mr. Templeton and his family went out on a little picnic and they were taking pictures with their camera. He went and got the film developed and in the background of a picture of one of his daughter, there is a man wearing a space suit standing behind her that was not there when they took the picture. And after this picture was taken, some this is in England. So that we're talking, we've now moved across the pond. We're out of America. So men in black are not just an American thing. What, what was the date on this? This this was actually it, it occurred on May twenty fourth, nineteen sixty four. Okay. So you said a spacesuit. Yes. Was it a black spacesuit? No, white. Oh. Kind of like ours at the time. And he had like the whole. Globy mask thingy and, and fishbowl on it. So head. what? What makes it a man in black? Well, that's not the man in black. Oh, what well, the man in bl- men in black are is after he took this picture, some men showed up at his house and they started asking him questions, and they made him take them to the site that he took the pictures, 
and they kept asking questions. Then they started alluding to the fact that he knew, like this was a setup or something. And they said, well, where did the man go? He's like, I don't know. We, the man wasn't here. We didn't see the man. Like, no, where did the man go? Where, where did he come from? You know, like they were hunting for him. Where did he come from? Where did he go? Where did he come from? Cotton Joe. <laughs> well, then a few days later, a few days or weeks later, there was a shuttle launch going on. And um, the people that were at the site actually ended up calling Mr. Templeton to ask him about his spaceman because they actually have footage of this. And we probably should look this up and show you guys too. Um, I can't think of what it's called, but it was there were two men spotted on the launch pad that resembled the man that was in the picture that Mr. Templeton had taken. And it just so happened that the fuel that they got to launch these spacecraft came from about 20 miles from where Mr. Templeton was when the picture was taken. Um, really? You can also look at this, the Firth Spaceman, too. But basically, after the men in black contacted him, they just drove off. The Firth Spaceman photo is creepy. Yeah, it is. And then, yeah, here's the, yeah, you can see. Yeah, there's two men in spacesuits space out walking around as the launch Bottom is happening. Bottom right of the spaceship. Holy crap. And they actually had to call off the launch of the spacecraft because, they because there, was, someone there was somebody out on the, the launch pad and they couldn't shoot it into the air with people out there. Now, one thing I have noticed with a lot of the Men in Black stories, too, is it doesn't seem to happen with a lot of the bigger known cases. Um, like the Roswell. Like Roswell or the Walton case or uh, the Hills there don't seem to be a lot of men in black stories with those. They seem to be seem to be smaller, lesser known cases that you hear about the men in black. Um, and one thing, like cases that aren't documented thoroughly. Yeah, and one one of the things that the uh, last podcast and the left guys said is maybe that was because they wanted it to be about them so that they could get the power and the fear and all that stuff. I don't. It, it's an interesting fact that it's only these little cases. So if it is a hoax and it is a fake, that would make sense. But it also would not make sense because you would think that if it was a hoax and all that stuff, you would they'd see be going it more to the, around case. the bigger cases. Yeah, unless they're afraid of getting caught. Yeah, and, and then in that case, there's more information. Well, it always seems cases. to be around smaller towns where people probably aren't going to be as well educated with like government things, so they could probably get away with it more as well. Right, you can't exactly go to the town outside the, the air force base and be like. I'm Mastery Gunnery Sergeant in Arms yeah. Murphy. And they're going to be like, no, no, you're not. <laughs> 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 I know Master of Arms, Sonnery Gurum. Are you men in black now? To speak that, like that? that rank doesn't <laughs> exist. <laughs> um, that rank doesn't exist, oh. is what I'm getting at. <laughs> See, see, Amy doesn't know that because she lives far away from any military bases. <laughs> and you know what? I was engaged to a, to a soldier, but I, I know his rank. You know, he was an E4. I got that much. <laughs> um, but there are actually, I have a famous actor. A famous one, you say? Screenwriter. Ufologist. Ufologist. An all-around crazy person. Yes, but he's a lovable, crazy person. Mm-hmm. And we all know who he is. Oh, is he uh, a studier of the He's occult? a ghostbuster. He's a ghostbuster. Yeah. Uh, Dan Aykroyd himself has had an encounter with the men in black. 
What? And I just so happened to have a clip of his telling of his encounter with the men in black. Would you guys like to hear it? Let's I do would it. love to hear it. I've never heard it before. So basically, Dan Aykroyd, he's, he's talking about a TV show that he was that he was doing for the sci-fi channel about UFOs, and it was a documentary because he's big into ufology. He's seen a few UFOs himself. But this is his Men in Black encounter. I mean, and I the last show, the last show we did, I had both Bassett, who uh, has the, the UFO time clock, and then Greer. Both Bassett and Greer were there. They were my two guests for the day. Well, the show was canceled that afternoon. And um, I was outside in, before I knew it was canceled, in between the interviews. And uh, I was outside, and Britney Spears called me because she wanted to, me to be, appear on Saturday Night Live with her. And so I picked up, I was outside having a cigarette, the phone rang. Uh, I, I, oh, Brittany, how you doing? Oh, sure, of course I will. I turned away like this. I turned back, and there was a black Ford across the road, a black Ford sedan. And I, I was trying to look at the plate, and the plate seemed kind of like fuzzy. And I was, you know, definitely a police car. And two guys were there, and a big, big, tall guy got out of the back seat. And he stood in the street on, um, on 42nd Street, it was. We, we were at 42nd Street and 8th Avenue. And he looked right at me. And literally, I mean, I was on the phone. Hey, oh, sure, of course I'd love the show. Saw the Ford, went back like this, turned back like a half second later, and it was gone. And that car did not go past me. It did not make a U-turn because I would have seen 42nd Street. I would have seen that thing take a U-turn and go away. That car vanished. That car was a cloaked vehicle of some type. And whether this was like a warning to me because the guy got out of the back seat gave me a real dirty look. That car vanished. I know what I saw. And, uh, you know, I, I, it, was, it was just this fast. It was, oh, hi, Brittany, sure. Oh, of course, I'd love to. God gives me a dirty look. Oh, well, sure. Car gone. That's what happened. And uh, then two hours later, uh, we were told we were not to continue taping, and the show was canceled, and none of them would air. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Was that, uh, was that an MIB experience? You know, black helicopters, uh, you know, military... Uh, abductions that happen sometimes people are taken and they talk about then being visited by you know military personnel and re debriefed about their abduction was it you know was it a technology associated with some of these beings that are visiting that wanted to warn me off or that wanted to give me verification that I was on the right track I don't know but I do know I I did I did turn back a second later and I you know it takes so long for an automobile accelerating from zero to 40 miles an hour to reach the corner of 8th Avenue and 42nd Street going past me and then pulling a U-turn and going out towards Times Square, I would have seen that car. And I So that's his story. And it's quite interesting because, yeah, that show was canceled. No, never was aired. It's all gone. So maybe they showed up, spoke with, maybe not him, maybe they were mad at him for... Disclosing truth and all they were this. mad at him for them having to and do their job. Maybe they talked to you know someone higher up, and you know this stuff does not go out there. You know maybe use some fake government credentials and scared them and made them cancel the show. Could could it just be people from like Project Blue Book that didn't want classified information leaked? It could have been. Um, heck, it could have been somebody who really just didn't like nothing but trouble. They're giving him dirty such looks. Such a good movie. It is such a good movie. Who knows? Um, 
They're like, is that a Ghostbuster? It looks like a Ghostbuster. <laughs> really what it was, yeah. It was just a fan. And then realized he was seen and was like, oh, crap. I probably shouldn't be here. Yes. And then hurry up and left. Is that Bill Murray? <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't you dare. Is that the dad from My Girl? Oh, I loved My Girl. <laughs> my Girl. Um, so uh, I wish that this show would have aired. This would have been so interesting. Because now we've talked about Dr. Greer in past episodes. Yeah. And Dr. Greer is a big believer in the um, deniable plausibility theory where the government is actually putting all this fake stuff out there mixed in with the real stuff to make it less believable. Yeah. To discredit the real where stuff. They're, they're doing it to make you think, oh, it's just... You know, oh, some absolutely. TV show, some pollute the truth. Yeah, yeah, pollute the truth. Yeah, this is this is an old tactic they've used, especially against like other foreign powers. Yeah, where they'll they'll let like we'll just say like Russian spies get a certain amount of info from like a weapons program that we're working on, but it's all made up crap to take back over to them. Yeah. To wreck that spy's credibility and stuff. Counter espionage. Yeah, yeah, counter espionage type stuff. Well, I think a lot of this too is because the phenomenon actually does happen and people see it and they know about it. And the government doesn't want us to know for sure. So they want to keep us doubting it so that when we, then we discredit those who are actually seeing it and we call them nut jobs and we call them crazy when really. They're the same ones. Or really, the government is just trying to keep you from fearing it, so when they do release it, yeah, your people a, aren't scared. See, so yeah. what's, what's crazy, though, is that they... <sighs> correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't there a, a certain amount of years that have to pass before, like, uh, top secret things become... Un- right? Mm-hmm. So, like, with uh, uh, Area 51... Uh, there were things that were released or whatever, but some of them were so far, not even far-fetched, but made normal. Like, yeah. the normality of the incidents were made to where they were, weren't, like, there wasn't a, a, a spaceship that crashed near Area 51. It was a satellite or something like that. And, like, they just backed it up to make sure that it was, like, every corner of their story matched up with every nook and cranny to where there was no... There was no way you could make it into anything else except there was a satellite that crashed. So, like, where, where, where you where you were talking about, like, you know, mixing in fact with, or you were talking about mixing in fact with fiction, uh, it, it's like we're never, ever going to actually get the truth of what actually happened or what actually is going on currently. Yeah. Well, it's like everybody was so excited when Trump released all this classified UFO information. And it's like, you know that if there's anything really of any sensitive matter, they're not going to release it. They're not going to release it. Well, also, they wouldn't tell Trump. (laughs) Well, I mean, in general, like, especially, okay, because, like, if there were were technologies, uh, alien technologies that were acquired by the U.S. or other countries in general who have have salvaged these, these crash sites, they've had to have found some sort of technology to advance their weaponry, and they don't want everybody freaking knowing about that. They, yeah. I mean, they don't want to... I There's mean, so many things, co- like so many secret planes or stuff like that that, yeah, they don't want people to know. I mean, it's kind of like the whole, um, what's it, the Osama Bin Laden thing, like we crashed one of the helicopters that was top secret that the U.S. didn't really want people to know about. Yeah. So they actually had them blow it up after it crashed, but, I mean, they were still... people. The 
people were still able to get some information from the craft that oh, yeah. wasn't out there before. Oh, yeah. And they released it years later. Yeah. Um, also, with uh, that being said, um, oh, man, I just forgot my thought. But I think was it was Project Blue like, Book. Uh, there's a documentary on Netflix um, kind of discuss a little bit of Project Blue Book. And a lot, of, I mean, a lot of their information is top secret things that have been released, but even being released, a lot of it's still redacted. Yeah. yeah. Where yeah. they're not getting the full information. So, where I, where I was coming back to that, but like technology is not only just wep- weaponry in general, but also like um, there was a, uh, and I'll have, to, I'll have to find this eventually, but it was an article written about how um, the cloning process. And also the ability to um, produce uh, mechanicalized, um, uh, what are the uh, amputees using? What are they called? Um, Arms? Prosthetics. <laughs> Thank you. you well, were same thing, same thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> prosthetics that are neuro- neurologically linked to your brain. Yes. That stuff right there has only happened in the last 15, 20 years. But... In, in general, like it would have taken us much, 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 much longer to figure out how to do that and to actually get it properly working because, I mean, there's no way in hell. Well, just, yeah, just think of our technology increase from 1947 until 97, okay, so oh, 50 yeah. years versus 1805 to, you know, 1945. That's not 50 years, is it? That's like 140 years. Yeah. 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 (laughs) 1895. 140 years compared to the 50 years is ridiculous how much more uh, technology has evolved in that short 50 years compared to the 140 years before that. Thank you, Beth. Because, yeah, I mean, in in the 1800s, unless I'm wrong, in the early 1800s, we didn't have steam power yet. Yeah. Yeah. So we're getting a lot. I think we got a lot of information from somewhere in that span of time. Oh yeah, and it could be it could be the fact that people are coming back in time and and giving us hints here and there. Because if you think about it, it takes one person to teach one person how to do something, and that person teaches another person, that person teaches another person, and then it goes on and on and on and on and on, like spreading an STD, if you will. But. <laughs> But honestly, honestly, if you think about it, you could think about that with steam power. You can think about that with the creation of the vehicle. You can think about that with the creation of flight. You can think about that with the creation of medicine in general. Like, it, it has to have come from somewhere. And then the adapt- adaptation of our thoughts integrated with the, the, that information to create something. Eli's just upsetting every scientist that listens to this show. <laughs> Not that a scientist <laughs> listens to the show in the first place. But I'm, I'm just saying, if you think about it, it, it is a very, very vast idea that isn't so far-fetched. Yeah. yeah. No, I, yeah. I agree that normal like, human knowledge wouldn't have grown that well, far in a short amount of time. If our technology has increased that much, but our people have dumbed down as much as we have, it doesn't make sense. It's the reverse, uh, but it's the reverse... It, it's... And I hate to bring this up, but it's... it's I feel like we don't have to use our brain. It's not that the people have dumbed down. It's just we have better access to the dumb people we rely, than we well, did then. We also... <laughs> re- well, now people rely more on technology and still looking for information themselves. Yeah. You can just Google it. Yeah, we're not... Whereas we're, before, you actually had to look up the uh, order of operations instead of just pulling it up pandas. on your phone or entering <laughs> in a calculator and it doing for you. So... We've got a few different theories on what 
Men in black are. I was going to say Mothman now. Do we have any theories on what they're not? Real? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, this is that's one a popular. <laughs> that's a popular, popular, popular theory. <laughs> this, is one of those, this is one of those things that I just don't believe in. I, that's why I said I would fangirl out if I actually met one, because I want physical first-person proof. I don't. I, I don't either. I mean, whether you thought I'm actually seeing, like, not like they're coming and talking to me and threatening me. Because I feel but like, like I clear my powers. see them Just walk, see someone who fits this description would be enough for me. My but kind of like if you listen to the last podcast on love, which we were all fans of, one of the things Henry says, he goes, This is the topic that we've done the most research on that isn't real. <laughs> and that's how I feel like for this. I read two books, and I feel like I read two books about. Like, it could have been word yeah. for word. No. It just feels like a fiction. Like well, the, <laughs> yeah. the thing is, is everything I have read, it's always it's the same like four stories over and over. And that's why I wanted to throw the Dan Aykroyd same, thing same in there. Same stories, but they're all slightly different. A little bit different. Both books I had had the same stories, but well, that's small like, details were that's different. That's like the Mothman oh, book. Right. When the, the Mothman encounters, each book had a, the same encounters. They were just a little different. Yeah. But the Aykroyd thing was very interesting. That's why I wanted to throw that in there because it's it's different from everything I read. And I mean, I read a book and a half-ish. Another book that I started reading, I, basically by the end of the first or second chapter, I was just kind of like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I looked out and one of the books was really short. Mind rape. And I was like, I was, I was actually auto, I was listening to it. And I was like, I can't, this is, I've got to look at the words. Like this is, like I literally felt like I was listening to gibberish, <laughs> and I was—I didn't use that book as a reference because I was—I couldn't—I couldn't tell you what I even listened to. Um, the the accounts that I read in in parts of the book that I did uh, or pick through—I I should say—I didn't actually read the whole thing, but all of them general like were generally in the same vicinity of the other story. It just. Like Chad said, they're just different parts, yeah. but all, it all ended the same. It all began the same. Now, my favorite Men <laughs> in Black story is actually from the Mothman prophecies, and we talked about this in the Mothman episode, and it was with Mary uh, Heyer, and she had the, the guy come into her office that was asking her questions, and she was feeling uncomfortable, and he was sitting there messing with a pin, oh, and yeah. she's like, you yeah. can have, you know, she told him you could have it. I think in that episode I said he stole it, but he, yeah. yeah, she said you could have it. And uh, he got all gig like gilly giddy and like and took off out the door, like <laughs> bouncing down the road that he had this pin. <laughs> I think that's my. Favorite I wish one. She, she small things like a, that brought me joy. Yeah. <laughs> she needs to get a chain for this pin, like they have at the bank. That would be so. I've got you in my sights. <laughs> well, see that pin of black. That would be. Oh, I could handle that encounter, but. I ran into the same problem with Men in Black that I ran into with the reptilians. And it was the more information I learned on them, the kind of the scarier they got. Because they start getting pretty dark and twisty. Yeah. Now, not, not nearly as dark and twisty as reptilians get. Reptilians are pretty damn dark and twisty. <laughs> and, and in fact, the stories that I pulled up from doing the were reptilians all good ones. were all happy stories because I had to find something happy about reptilians because <laughs> I was just getting depressed. <laughs> I was like, oh shit! Why do we even live? They're just gonna control us. <laughs> <laughs> I, th I think though, if, if uh, for the for the listeners out there, if you're ever approached by a Men in Black for any reason whatsoever, just remember, you're more afraid of them 
than they are of you. <laughs> <laughs> and also, also, also. Just give them all the information they want. And they'll go and away. And forget everything. But it always happens in threes. Yes. <laughs> Chad and I were talking about this at work the other day about how if a man in black came up to us, we'd be like, can I touch you? <laughs> I would touch be their the- face and it melts off. <laughs> I'd be that like that 12-year-old kid who's just like, keeps poking them. And they're like Stop smacking it. my hand away and I'm like, still doing it. Just Stop it. No. Stop it. Are you real? What are you made of? Where did you come from? Which one? What's your favorite color? You out of? What's your favorite animal? Like, just. Are you a dragon? <laughs> are you a dragon? I don't know why, are you a dragon? I'm, I'm thinking of this Stephen King story. It's like a short story where this kid is fishing, and he's approached by somebody in a suit that smells like sulfur. Wow. And he like he like eats one of the fish he has like whole, and then then he tells him that his mother's about to die, and it's just this really weird, peculiar story. I, I think in the story, like the guy in the suit was supposed to be like uh, the devil or something because he smelled like sulfur. And that's well, one that's one of the theories in *The Men in Black* too. Like we talked about earlier, how they're tied to the witchcraft because the witchcraft devil is blah, that blah, they're blah, actually blah. like demons and yeah. or messengers from hell. But they also showed up like when you talk about the olden like I talked to Chad about it when they talk about the olden times they showed up in black carriages. Yes. And yeah. it's yeah, kind of I mean they show up in like we're really I mean we're mostly talking about stuff from like the 1940s but like we said in the werewolf episode we bring up men in black. I mean a lot of ancient civilizations have a figure of a man in black somewhere in the lure or his history. So you know, in all honesty, in all this research that I've done about Men in Black, I haven't felt like an eerie feeling until tonight, and I don't know why. But if I have, uh, talking about I it. have a fr- I've been reading about Men in Black for like I a know, week. but we're actually talking about it and recording it. We're That's manifesting Zatopa's dog. We are. Man, if I have dreams about Men in Black hey, tonight... at least I'm not having that cold chill come past my face like the Madame Blavatsky oh, episode. Oh, man. I literally had, like, I was tingly for like... Two days after that, like, still felt creepy. I out. have to say, Madame Blavatsky, well, did that say right? Yeah, you did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Good shit. Um, that one left me, like, I didn't even do the research for that. I just had Dave telling me about it, and I really felt like we had shit happen in this house a lot while we, he was reading that book. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what, what triggered with Madame Blavatsky. Hey, we bring up Madame Blavatsky, and I literally get the chills. But I've also, this whole episode we've been doing Men in Black, though, I will say I have been kind of paranoid. Yeah, I have And I keep staring at the door. Chad keeps on staring at the door. And that's the reason why I don't like sitting over there. (laughs) The worst thing is because you have your little little light out there. And it's like the perfect height for a person to stand there. And it's white. And so I keep looking over and seeing it out of the corner of my eye. I I keep seeing shadows move behind it. And I'm sure it's street cars going down the street. But yeah, I keep looking. I'm paranoid (laughs) as shit. And maybe it's because they're listening to make sure we don't give away too much information. Hey, all this information con- has been given out multiple Our places. conclusion is that we have no freaking clue. Yeah. Well, I think that's going to do it for our episode on Men in Black. I think we've kind of talked about everything round and round. Um, if you've got a theory that you've heard of and you want to let us know, let us know. Uh, email us at umpnormalcy at gmail.com. You can also like us, follow us, DM us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at UMP Normalcy. Uh, check out our um, Patreon. Dave's got a This Month in Paranormalcy that we just released. And we've got our Sabrina chat 
on there. And if you guys want us to finish out the season with it, we will. But me and Amy are kind of burnt out on Sabrina. (laughs) But so we only did the our episode we did was kind of covering the first two episodes. Then we branched off into the whole season a little bit a few times. But we will finish it if If you guys want us to listen to it. Um, I think we might even do kind of a little release on. Like maybe a bonus release of a little bit of footage, little footage, but audio from yeah. the Patreon, just so people can kind of see what what they would be getting if they donated to our Patreon. Uh, as always, we appreciate our fans, and until next week, keep digging. <laughs>